This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Ritam Gandhi, founder at Studio Graphene. Ritam, welcome to the Business of Us podcast. Thank you very much. Terrific. Thank you for coming. Okay. What does it take to create an app? You remember a few years ago, we used to hear this catchy phrase, yep, there's an app for that. It was all about the novelty of mobile apps. Uh, well, today with several million mobile apps in the world, you don't hear that anymore. The days of adventure are over, and today you wonder, how do you build an app to compete in a huge market to make sure it has a good potential to take off? So we invited Ritam to help us to tackle this tough question. But let's uh, start off uh, by talking about you, Ritam, and your background. Please tell us about yourself. So I started my career working in um, the management consulting practice for Accenture. Um, and I also worked as part of the systems integration and technology practice, working mostly with investment banks and uh, commercial banks, building large-scale trading systems, and then subsequently after the financial crisis, helping them merge together. So it's large-scale technology projects. Um, and throughout that time, um, I heard of people walking around and saying, hey, I have this great app idea, um, but I don't know how to get it off the ground. And I realized a lot of the services businesses would chase after the big corporates, the big enterprise business, but no one was trying to help the individual founder. Um, to be candid, it's because they weren't financially uh, lucrative clients potentially, um, but no one was going after them. And I and I thought, okay, well, what are the challenges these folks have? They have an idea. It's not just about developing an app. Uh, it's about understanding what is the purpose of the app. It's about understanding how to design. It's about understanding how to um, get it built and advising them and being on their side. And so I decided to start Studio Graphene. Um, and the focus being that I wanted to help founders get their ideas off the ground and bring them to life instead of just talking about them. All right, so let's talk about your company, Studio Graphene. Um, by the way, why Graphene? Uh, do you guys like physics? Because if I remember correctly, Graphene is the material one atom thick, which you can actually right. pull together, create great new material which doesn't exist in nature. Is this yes. the, where the name came from? It, it is, it is, it is, that is the graphene. Um, a lot of, you know, it's, um, people reach out to us and say, hey, do you work with graphene? Uh, and we don't, um, well, actually we did a project which did involve some graphene-based sensors, but yeah, we're not a graphene specialist. Um, the reason that, uh, there's a fake reason and real reason. All right. The fake reason is it's all about that we want to be nimble, but strong and flexible and the future material. The real reason is um, actually my sister set up a, a company called Studio Graphene, uh, but she decided she didn't want to use the name. 
And mm. oh, I was setting up Studio Graphene and I really, really liked the name. I really looked, liked what it stood for. And I really liked uh, the fact that uh, what Graphene stands for, really. And I thought that is a good representation of what we want our business to be. Um, so that's, that's, that's a bit of a backstory to Studio Graphene. That's a cool story because, uh, uh, well, the name of the company uh, tells a lot about the, the, the team that behind behind the uh, project. So if you have a catchy name that, that makes people think, and especially if they know what graphene is, you're kind of, uh, uh, you know, in the <laughs> in one club. Um, exactly. All right. Uh, let's talk about um, app design, right? Uh, what are the major components of an effective app design? And um, what do you believe for these are specific essential ingredients to build a successful app, the ones you're using to create an app well, like in every project you're working on? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting topic because it's what is design? is design the visual element, is design how you think about it, is it the user experience? And um, one of the things we realized was that we'd work with a number of founders or people who had app ideas who'd come to us with their pixel-perfect guideline. So they'd say, you know, I want to use this color and I want this icon. Mm -hmm. um, and then there'd be a lot of debate with others, either their co-founding team or um, other members in the team about those kind of which icon to use or which color to use. And actually with everyone, we end up taking a step back or many steps back and we go back to what are the core goals that they are trying to um, um, achieve as part of their um, product that they want to build. You know, what is that single point of truth? Uh, and that's really the key piece of understanding what we're designing for. What is their goal? Um, the second thing we talk about is this concept called impact mapping, uh, which is um, there's a very nice small um, blue book, which actually describes it very well. But it's essentially making sure that um, you're aligning to your goals, to the actors, i.e. the user that's using it. And there is a purpose behind a feature you, that you're developing rather than just kind of feature greed. And then the third piece we talk about a lot is prototyping. And that's basically, you know, a high fidelity designer, a design of a screen, uh, what's it actually going to look like in real life? Because a lot of the times you don't really understand um, what it is that you're um, building until sometimes you see it. Uh, and then, of course, we all know that, you know, you have subjective theories, but computers understand zeros and ones, it's very binary. So the specification and the detail behind every feature is key to make sure that things don't get lost in translation. Um, you know, what, what you're thinking as a founder or an individual who has an app idea versus what an engineer understands. You, don't, you want to make sure that in that Chinese whispers process, you don't lose, um, you don't lose the important, salient, um, critical information and the objective detail. So we generally take, we find these are four key elements and we generally take a kind of, step-by-step -step approach where we start with the highest level information. That's why we start with the goals. So we take that 50,000 foot view, then we kind of go into more detail and more detail and more detail. Um, so that's, that's generally our approach. All right. So let's, let's go a little bit deeper into each of these four components, starting with goal setting. I think people may, may have a problem with, um, you know, 
thinking in the right direction when it comes to creating a mobile app because they're they're judging by the experience of using other apps. They're um, they're a specific app on the phone which they'll like or certain components, certain features of that app they believe to be a you know a good one. They may try to borrow those features and they not. It's hard for them to think holistically and start with the idea what exactly this app will be solving for their company, for their business. What will be the purpose? So how do you help them to kind of, as you're saying, step back, take a holistic view and decide what's the goal of creating an app for their business? So we... um we that's the the key thing you mentioned was taking a step back right um because everyone kind of races forward have this idea of these features etc and i think in the beginning the whole point is um is what is the main purpose of your app what are you solving um for an individual and what are the goals that you want to set for yourself as a business that you want to achieve and those goals need to be very specific uh they need to be very clear there needs to be clear alignment between the stakeholders and they need to be time bound, right? So you need to say, look, in six months, we want to get to a point right. where we have 5,000 users, right? So user acquisition becomes a goal, et cetera. So mm-hmm. that goal setting, which is very clear and specific and time bound is, is is critical because that really informs everything. Until you have a clear set of goals, it's hard to know where you're going, right? If you don't know the destination, what's the point in talking about, I'll go right, I'll go left. Right, exactly. Uh, among these four ingredients, I think uh, impact mapping is kind of a, a bit of a puzzle for me personally. Well, what is impact mapping specifically when you start working on a project? Uh, what do you solve with this uh, with this part? Yeah. So I think the at the end of the day, we build an app because we want it to um, have an impact for an actor or an individual or a user. Um, and we need to understand that if we are building, you know, if we're writing a user story to describe what a user should be able to do, that should map to an impact. If we're creating a feature that needs to be developed, it should have an impact. And the impact mapping is really a process by which you're always going back to the user. Um, and you're being, you're kind of following that human centered design strategy. You're going back to what is the impact for a user of what I'm doing and how does it align with the goals that I've set. So impact mapping is really, you know, when you see it visually, it's really just drawing almost um, the links or joining the dots between something you're building as an app feature and the impact it's having for the user. If you can't define the impact and value the impact, you shouldn't be building that feature. Got it. So this is a long-term effort. It's not like something you're doing uh, before you create an app. This is what you're going back over and over when you're creating the first, second, third, and so so forth version of an app Correct. and see the impact you're, you're getting. You're um, constantly aligning to an impact. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, prototyping. Um, to be honest, when I hear the word prototyping, I see one of the prototypes of uh, SpaceX, the next uh, version of their rocket, big Falcon rocket. This is the prototype I can see in my mind, but I hear the word prototype. Of course, that's in the hard hardware world, right? That's a hardware <laughs> analogy, which kind of sticks to your you know, your visual perception of the world uh, when you think about a prototype these days. So prototype of an app, um, well, what do you sketch out? Like, uh, 
basic features, the most uh, general view how the app will, will look like? So, you know, I think of, and, and why you, it's, it's interesting you use the SpaceX example. I always think of anything you're building, whether it's software or hardware, right? There is, you're, you're looking at it top down as um, you, you want to try and make mistakes and learn without spending loads of money and time. You want to restrict your, your de-risk whilst spending less resources, whether it's effort or time. It's the same thing in architecture, right? You uh, don't want to build the building uh, and then realize it's being built incorrectly and throw it right. away. So you prototype by creating a model. Um, SpaceX, you don't want to build a whole spaceship and find out that um, yeah, sorry. it's got er errors. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why you prototype. And I think it's the same logic in apps, right? Uh, you can build it and realize you made mistakes, but actually you want to, get to a point where you are um, happy with it. Um, you don't want to be able to, um, at least you want to give yourself a shot at um, putting something in front of a user and in front of your stakeholders and giving them a chance to give feedback before you go out and build it. Um, and that's really, in my mind, the purpose of prototyping is, 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 a, um, is, 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 is trying to mirror what it would be like in real life without building it in real life. So it's, set of screens in my opinion and they're designed in a way that you would actually build them and they're linked together through hotspots so you can click through them and you essentially have a clickable prototype that's the purpose so you want to go on the market with the app which doesn't have every imaginable feature you're dreaming about but the ones you know for sure are there on purpose will be helpful for people will be working and this is going to be a robust version 1.0 right correct Correct. Specification writing. Um, I remember my days of working in the uh, app development slash app marketing company. And I was remember the, there was a guy who was uh, basically obsessed about specification writing. He was really meticulous of uh, capturing every stage of app development and making sure like other folks who will be working on the project later may pick it up from a specific point and see what's going on not being lost, but that was kind of a, you know, perspective of the internal inside the company when multiple people work on the same app. So uh, specification writing, do you mean from the perspective of a client uh, or just an internal work of your team? It, it should be, um, in my mind, specification writing is about um, making sure that we have um, an understanding of what we want to build, but there is a handoff between the individual who has um, a set of requirements and their features and the person building it, right? So most of the time, the specification isn't um, for for any other person, a, a process other than to make sure that that handoff is as accurate as possible, right? And it is very rare that it's the same person as app ID is also the engineer building it for various reasons. It tends to be, and if it is someone who understands app development, then, you know, you'll have back an engineer who's also working with you. So, you know, the moment it's not just you building your own idea, you need a specification, you need something that's a single point of truth. Um, and I think over time I've learned more and more the importance of a good specification. It's the same analogy of building a building, right? If you don't describe it accurately and as a result, you do a bad job building it. Um, 
it's it, it comes back to bite you. Yeah, it's a long time project, and uh, I think you may see the result of a possible problem with specification when even Apple releases an operating system which may have a bag a bug that basically drives you nuts and you wonder how somebody could release an operating system which isn't addressing the specific issue but this can be a simple problem somebody in the past didn't specify some part of his work i'm just giving a hypothetical example i have no idea why um, i'm having a problem with bluetooth on my mac uh, but i gather it could be because uh, you know Apple has a huge team and somebody who was working on the Bluetooth connectivity could be doing some specific um, um, adjustment and it wasn't documented well, well enough for other folks to pick up. So I, the more complex the project you're working on, the bigger the project is, the significance of keeping the specification in line with the scope, uh, making sure that um, everybody on the same page uh, working on the project is really essential. Okay, um, obviously you've been following really uh, carefully about the trends in app design these days, as you should do as a CEO of a company. Um, looking at the app design right now and the trends, you see which ones you welcome and what things you're not really a fan of. So I think what's what's happening in general at the moment is that um, people are realizing that you know you're fighting for real estate on a person's screen. Um, there is so much out there, uh, and it's getting commoditized. And um, you really have to be focused on what you want to give in terms of value to the user. So I think the trends in app design that are creating consistency, consistent user experience, consistent a navigation, etc., so you can become accustomed to how to use an app. I think mm -hmm. those are great. I think the other side of it is you're seeing a lot more of people building things like progressive web apps or applications that will work across your desktop browser and your mobile. And I think one of the mm -hmm. errors that is happening is that as you're designing that for desktop, but you're also then trying to use it on your mobile, you're not necessarily applying the design principles around making sure you're using the real estate effectively. So, you know, you're starting to see apps which are overly crowded on mobile and that screen is quite busy and hard to um, hard to navigate. So I think that's one of the negative things that's happening. And you know, the traditional native app approach where you build a native app for a phone, um, which, was, which worked perfectly for that device, that's kind of going off trend in some ways. By the way, you personally, on which side of the argument are you? Uh, is it better to create a native app or try to create a cross-platform app? I know this debate has been you know, like... Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, this is... Yes, absolutely. And I think, the, again, the thing is chronology. There's no right answer. Uh, obviously, if money is no object, time is no object, and you want the best experience, native apps the way forward. But if as a startup you're constrained, um, you know, you want to have one development team that understands both apps and, what, mm -hmm. and kind of writes in one language, et cetera, then a hybrid or React Native or progressive web app approach works. So I think you have to, I don't think there's a one size fits all. We work with progressive web apps, React Native apps, native apps. It depends on what your business goals are and what your constraints are. Um, you know, because sometimes people will say, I don't have the ability to build a mobile app and a web application. But I want my app to be accessible through 
a mobile by someone clicking on an icon on their home screen. Um, and then I'd say, okay, progressive web apps. If you're limited on budget, et cetera, but you, you know, your primary user is on a web desktop. So case by case, right? Yeah, yeah. The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to lock up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now, back to the show. Okay, uh, we've covered the topic on the table, which I wanted to talk about, and uh, there are just a few more questions that... On this show, I ask every guest uh, we've been having um, for the last year, year and a half, and here they are. So what smartphone do you have now? Have you been switching between iOS or Android or just staying one side all the time? I, you know, I switched from Android to iOS because we predominantly build iOS apps, and I wanted mm. a phone to show people that we built. So uh it's all it's I'm, i'm fully on ios at the moment for um, what time uh, per year more um i'd say it's been about almost three years mm. got it uh and so far so good yes absolutely i think you know i've always um well, i switched to mac before i switched my phones to ios so I was I was comfortable with the Apple ecosystem and I think it is quite nice that you know to be fully across that ecosystem and so far so good. I I I feel like both of them are such, you know, great operating systems that you um you know both are amazing. It's just getting used to one. Right, right. This is just a matter of an ecosystem. Like where do you where do you keep your stuff? Your movies, your music, your photos, your docs, like your your life basically on <laughs> which side of this. Right. Duopoly. Um, Correct. Getting back to, you know, before iPhone time, uh, do you remember your first mobile phone? Absolutely. I can't remember the model name, but it was, a, it was one of those old Nokias. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember you could play uh, the snake game snake. on it. And so, and, oh. um, and yeah, it was very, it was, it was very, very long ago. <laughs> Yeah, we're, when there are so many mobile games and mobile phones right now, it's it's really hard to make the case why we did like to play that same game with Nokia back then. Um, all right, now, if you, for whatever reason, uh, it happens to be you, you left your smartphone at home, what would be the most missing feature for you? Um, the maps, whether it's the native maps. Apps or, uh, maps or Google Maps, yeah. A hundred percent. I realize I, I now look back and I'm like, not long ago, you in London, you use the A to Z maps with a book and you'd, um, and yeah, I just, I have no idea what I do without Google maps. Right. I, I wonder in a few hundred years, people will be talking about Google maps. Like we're talking about star navigation, you know, a couple hundred yeah. years ago. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, that's amazing. But, uh, if you think about like, Oh, What hardware software features uh, you would like to have in your phone, uh, which are not there yet, but they're kind of coming or probably something that it's even not in the horizon? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, you know, I feel like 5G, I'm very excited about seeing what it results in. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of hype about 5G. And 
you know, I'm just curious to see what that speed of internet through your phone or on the move does to us and does to our uh, experience with the phone um, and interaction with it. And I think the other bit that I'd really like to start seeing is how they tackle health. I think, you know, there's been an area, there's been incredible leaps and bounds with recent changes with challenger banks and mobile apps for banks and so on. But I think health, I always think I'm like, there's a lot more that mobile technology can do to support you in terms of your health. And also when you take into account wearables and sensors, being able to sense certain parameters, but really like to be a health coach, uh, I feel like that would be quite an interesting idea in terms of how, how mobile phones develop uh, technology around that. Yeah, I, w- I would agree about health completely. And this is like a huge industry is waiting for disruption. Probably just a question, who's going to be first, Apple or Amazon or both, um, just to see like what kind of hardware. They're like, all racing. <laughs> yeah, all racing. Because, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying the features in my Apple Watch that is they're really helpful for my health. It kind of became, you know, one of the things in the background you keep track of uh, every once in a while, seeing how what's going on with your calories, your your heart, etc. And just a matter of new hardware, new sensors, what stuff will be relevant and actually possible to squeeze into something on your wrist, and uh, you know, being robust, cheap, and still <laughs> being able to use the thing, uh, charging it once a day not just every every few hours I, I would prefer once a week but we're not there <laughs> the chemistry of uh, batteries is not there i guess exactly, exactly. all right that was my f- very final question but there's even one more which is uh, how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do um you can probably the best way is email me um my email address is rhythm, R-I-T-A-M, at studiographene.com. That's G-R-A-P-H-E-N-E.com. Or you can also email hello at studiographene.com and it'll still come through to me. Um, both work. Terrific. That's, that's great. All right. Thank you for your time and coming on our podcast, Ritam. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you, Art. Bye. And that was Ritam Gandhi, founder at Studio Graphene. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Wireless episodes on Mondays, so subscribe. And you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer if you're still listening to podcasts on your computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.